All right. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I am your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad mamma jamma, Carrie Smith. Carrie, are you there? Yes. Awesome. I, I hear it echo. Hold on. Oh, it's because I had the video playing. Yes. Don't have the video playing. <laughs> okay. Um, today, we are very excited to have the most hated person in the whole knitting community, by her own description. Uh, <laughs> most most hated person in the whole knitting community. Uh, we're excited to have Maria Tuscan on. Maria is the owner of Tuscan Knits, a hands-dyed yarn company based near Seattle, Washington. She was ostracized from most of the knitting community in January of this year for speaking up about a, quote, conversation around racism in knitting. Since then, she has woken up to the current SJW mentality in the world and watched as the knitters continue on their path of, quote, inclusivity and tolerance. Maria also enjoys sewing, writing, uh, sorry, sewing vintage clothes, writing, and reading old books. She lives in the countryside near Seattle with her husband, two cats, and two dogs. You can follow her on uh, Tuscan Knits on Instagram. That's T-U-S-K-E-N. You can also find her YouTube channel, Maria Tuscan. Uh, she's also on Facebook, and you can go to TuscanKnits.com. So with all of that, uh, Maria, thank you for joining us on Deprogrammed today. Hi, can you hear me? We can hear you. All right. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. As Carrie was pointing out, I think this is the most excitement we've had prior to the show starting. Yeah. About you. So. you have a <laughs> fan base, Maria. <laughs> Deserve. Well, a deserved fan base. I hope they're fans. <laughs> they well, are. No we've actually. Yet, but the morning is young. So. We've actually had some people um, who I know are fans of yours who um, joined our community who started watching Unsafe Space. So welcome to all the knitters. And somebody, look, somebody in chat says, I just got yarn from you in the mail today, Maria. <laughs> Yay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> so welcome knitters. Um, Maria, maybe we can start by, I know we did a show about the knitting community, and there have been several articles written about the knitting community, but maybe just for those who haven't heard your story, just give a, a brief synopsis of what happened to you and also get us caught up to speed on what's happened since we last reported about you. Okay. Um, so most of the knitters watching will know this, and I've told this story so many times, but um, so back in January of this year, I think it was January 7th or something, a woman named Karen Templer, who owns a knitting related business, wrote this blog post about her excitement to travel to India this year. And she's, I think she's middle-aged and she hasn't really traveled a whole lot. She was super excited. She's always been fascinated by India and the culture and the people. And in the blog post, she mentioned, I think maybe when she was a child, she said she'd been offered to go to India. She had some Indian acquaintances and she said it was like being offered a flight on a seat to on a, a flight to Mars. And um, how dare she? Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, I, I was being stupid and said as a Martian. <laughs> <laughs> and then also in the post, she just, yeah, she talks about her fascination with, with India and Indians and someone a couple days later, I think, um, 
found this blog post of hers. I don't think it was even someone who follows her or was a fan of her. Comes on her blog post and leaves a comment saying, um, you really need to think about this, Karen. Um, you compared India to Mars and you exoticized these people. Um, you're just exuding the, the typical uh, peak um, whiteness and you're, um, you're sort of, you know, supporting this idea of white colonization. So <laughs> Karen, I'm sure was really surprised by this, like taken off guard totally. Um, and she tried to explain herself. And then a couple other people um, came on and were saying, yeah, you know, I read your post again. Um, I can see what this person was saying. You really need to think more about this and apologize to all the, the Indian people you hurt um, and people of color who were offended by this. And she, she is really nice and tries to explain herself some more. And even one of, one of the, the head like bullies in this whole thing did this giant like expose of her essay, like word for word on Instagram, like underlining things, just so, so petty um, and just attacking Karen. And Karen goes and sees this, of course, on Instagram and goes in this, this lady's comments. It was a, a public Instagram account. She goes in her comments and tries to apologize and defend herself. And this bully gets really angry and accuses Karen of stalking her for going on her public Instagram <laughs> and trying That's, to defend herself. And trying to defend herself. That's yeah. so this is what Carter and I, we were talking briefly before the show about SJWs. They always project. They mm -hmm. always project. They will be bullying you. And clearly this woman <laughs> is engaging in, I would say she's the bully here. She's taking apart Karen's essay piece by yeah. piece and criticizing her and Karen's not allowed to defend herself. Yeah. If you try and defend yourself, then they say, oh, you're the bully. But it's, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. That's what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So how um, did you get involved in this though? I mean, uh, what was that? How did you get involved in this? Uh... So all this was going on and over the course of 48 hours, maybe it just like blew up. Everyone was talking about this and not only going after Karen, but they started going after like other businesses as well. Um, and I was, I was texting one of my friends here locally who owns a local yarn shop. And I was like, what, have you seen this? What's going on? And she, she agreed with me that this was just being blown way out of proportion. Um, and I'll get back to her later, but so I was, I was kind of talking about this. I was telling my husband about it and it was really stressing me out. And I had been thinking about kind of taking a break from Instagram for a few months at this point. And I was like, this is probably a good time. I don't want to be a part of this. Um, and I know what, what these SJWs would say about that. But um, so I left Instagram and I said I was going to leave Instagram. I said, why? I said, I didn't feel safe. Um, if Karen Templer for writing this very innocuous blog post could be attacked, any one of us could be attacked. And I, I just didn't want to be a part of it. I was just kind of stressed out. 
And I, I did want to make a statement. Um, so I, I left Instagram. Can I interject for one yeah. second? For anyone watching, when you say you know what these SJWs would have to say about that, here's mm -hmm. what I think you mean. They would say, and you guys will start to recognize this language, and they would say, it's your privilege that allows you to yes. leave. Yes, exactly. And what <laughs> be thrown out there, I'm sure. They, they act as if they couldn't also step away from this fight or step away from Instagram. No. Compelled. They're compelled to do it. They, yes. Whatever. Yes, exactly. So, um, and so I, I, yeah. when you said you were stepping away, you didn't criticize their ideology. Like I watched your video. You didn't say they're wrong about this or they're like, I just no. ideology. All you said was, I don't really like the bullying and name calling and I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. So yeah. That part. Yes. And that's, that's what I said on my Instagram post when I left and I did people, a lot of people were upset that I deleted that post because I didn't realize at the time, like how crazy this was going to go afterwards. But because I was leaving Instagram, I didn't want someone to come on my Instagram page and see this post and wonder what in the world I was talking about. So I did um, delete that and just said I was taking a break from Instagram. But anyway, I did that. Then about a week later, I recorded the infamous YouTube video that really got me in trouble, um, where I just kind of stated the same thing. And like you said, Carter, I didn't even bring up um, racism. I just said this social justice issue. And I didn't even say the issue was a bad issue or something I disagreed with. Right. I just said they were in the name of this social justice issue, they were going after small businesses. Um, so that video of course got picked up by the, the social justice warriors and everyone. And I became, yeah, like the most hated person in the knitting community because of it. <laughs> the video is still up, you can watch it. I mean, Carter's I laughing because it's, it's hard to imagine you as the most hate. It's like you are so um, just, you come off your persona as so sweet and soft-spoken. Clearly you have the medal of a warrior, <laughs> like, but your exterior is just so charming. And the idea, and you, I think you're wearing a pink, a lovely pink sweater in that video. And the idea oh, that- Oh my gosh, that, yes. Yeah. The way I looked in that video, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gleaming white face too. Yeah. It's like, it's like they did criticize you for that. I forgot. Did they? Oh gosh. Yes. So they are so racist. Yeah, but it's like this is your Batman video. Your Batman villain, guys. You? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll they'll they've said things about that too. Like you know, I don't know, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, or yeah. So what? <laughs> after that video, what's happened to your business? Like what? What have they done since then? Um, so basically the, the way the knitting community works is you, you all like collaborate with each other. So in the past I would do collaborations cause I dye yarn. So I would do collaborations with knitting pattern designers. So they would design a pattern in my yarn and we would all release it together and kind of gain from each other's um, customers and followers. And when this happened, the bullies, there were a couple specific ones that are still very active in doing this. They were going around contacting all the designers who had used my yarn, telling them 
they needed to remove my name from their pattern. Um, and if they didn't, you know, they, they saw what happened to me. So <laughs> this would happen to them. So um, oh, most of these designers gave in and removed my name from their pattern, which was a huge, that's a huge source of income. Yep. And also they not only removed my name from the pattern, but they did it, they announced it publicly on Instagram. So announcing to all of the community that I was a Uh -oh. terrible person they didn't want to support anymore and then all these rumors start um coming up can you hear me still okay yeah, you can hear you now. my internet just wasn't working or something that reminds me of um just briefly that reminds me of the businesses that put like a antifa social justice signs in their storefront so that antifa mm -hmm. doesn't smash their windows out during really oh, yes that's oh. practice in the bay area if you don't have a black lives matter sign you're you're in a lot of trouble during a protest, so you have to put wow. it in the front, regardless of what you believe. So those businesses announcing that they're cutting ties with you—that's a very cowardly and public way of being like, "Don't come after us, please." Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. And it was, of course, really hurtful to me because I knew a lot of these people, and um, they didn't contact. Most of them didn't contact me or anything. They just did this. So um, yeah, I lost a lot of. A lot of support through that and of course most of these people most people um i do believe maybe like carrie i think a lot of these people do have good intentions a lot of the ones who aren't like the main activists um and they just kind of went along with this um so yeah um at first i got a lot of support from people who saw what was happening to me and didn't agree with it but now that that's kind of died down a lot, um, my, my business really now is a lot slower than it used to be um, because no one, no one will ever work with me again. No one semi-popular or even like the lower, lower people will, will want to work with me. They don't wanna be associated with me because they'll get attacked as well. And I don't blame them for feeling that way, honestly. Um, so it's tough. I, I'm just kind of stuck. Did any of them say like, hey, privately, like I, I, don't, I think it's unfair, but I have to publicly disassociate myself from you or no? No, um, there was one girl who I wrote about in my one of my more recent blog posts who I knew she was a friend and she had designed some patterns with my yarn. And she did contact me because we would text all the time. Is she the one you went to Edinburgh with? Yeah, and she did contact me saying, um, so she had watched the video and we had been texting after she saw the video and we were still friends. And then these bullies contacted her and said she needed to remove my name from her pattern. And then she texted me and was saying, um, she actually said, like, are you a racist? Um, and she was like, very like concerned and worried and i explained to her like i wasn't i felt i felt really awful that she had been caught up in this as well i didn't intend for my friends to get caught up in this um so yeah she asked if i was a racist she said that she had an issue with oh my gosh can you imagine I <laughs> yeah can you imagine yeah. are you a racist yeah I 
just just the fact that people they get their they get so manipulated by this crowd mentality this mob mentality it's like the i I know in the video that we did about this uh, previously i compared it to the crucible but it just reminds me of that yeah where people get hysterical and then they start uh, like to are do you are you a witch and then they and some of them start confessing to being a witch and repenting of do you know yeah i'm a i've got secret you know, witchiness or secret yeah. racism and let me, you know, yeah. it, it just, it astounds me. I think, I think that there should be a study of what you went through, <laughs> like a, so a psychological study. I think so too. Um, and like uh, Nathan Taylor, who was also attacked later, he just mentioned in his most recent video that there is a little BBC radio documentary coming out on this. Um, and he might be talking about some of the psychology and stuff behind this. He interviewed me as well. So he, he goes by Sakmatician, right? Yes, yes. And um, he also, his business also massively impacted him. Oh yeah. Video about how devastating it's been to his business. Yeah, I mean, he his, his business is much more front facing. So he would teach classes and go to knitting events. Um, and now like none of that none of that anymore that was his income and it's totally taken away yeah Um, so what for people who aren't aware what briefly happened how did he get involved in it um in july he i guess he had been watching this whole thing unfold since january and he didn't he also didn't agree with the way they were going after businesses and individuals and like destroying people's reputations so he finally in July decided to say something about it. And he wrote this little poem and put it up on Instagram. Um, he had created about a year ago, he had created this hashtag called diversity. So just celebrating the diversity of the knitting community. And a lot of people, the bullies and SJWs had sort of hijacked this hashtag and used it in all of their like, all of their posts attacking people. So he was trying to sort of reclaim this hashtag and he talked about that and how we just needed to come together as a community and um, be respectful of each other. And people went after him, said he was tone policing. Um, he's a white male, even though he's gay and HIV positive, that of course, you know, doesn't matter because he's not on their side anymore. there's nothing they hate more than a person who checks off a marginalized box who doesn't along with them yeah so yeah they they totally went after him um and he it's he he talked about this in his video it's really hard to imagine what it's like when the whole like the whole knitting community thousands of people are after you um, emailing you and leaving comments and talking about you and gossiping about you and all these rumors being spread around it's like a it's a crazy feeling um, and he actually had like a mental breakdown and was suicidal and wanted to harm himself and his husband took him to the hospital and he was put on suicide watch for a day and um, and then he attended this yarn festival a couple what was that then they didn't even believe then they didn't him after that too no they didn't they didn't believe it and also they just said 
well, you, we didn't do this to you. You put yourself in this position. You're a grown man. Like you can, yeah. These people, I, I, we talked about before this briefly, Carter and I do disagree sometimes about the intent of people who get wrapped up in this ideology. And I think there are two types of people, those with good intent, whose intent is being manipulated. And perhaps they're also cowards. Yeah. Um, and then there's people with ill intent. And a lot of these people you're talking about, they have ill intent. That is evil. Yes. I just, it's just, it's evil. Yes. And he, and he mentioned this in his video because he, a couple days after he was like, had this mental breakdown, he went to do a book signing at this, this yarn festival because he had a contract and he was teaching and everything. And he, he talked about how it was actually planned that this one woman had informed the organizers that she was going to come and confront Nathan even though he was he was in this very like sensitive position and just emotionally unstable at the time and she actually came to the event and accosted him and they got into this argument and they he got emotional and she was emotional and he got you know dragged out by the one of the organizers who was, but it was personal yeah. assistant also yeah. who knew exactly everything he was going through yeah and, and and let this happen and actually i would say kind of was an accomplice in this. yeah 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 his personal assistant knew about this and yeah this again this is just so fascinating about the psychology of crowds and mob mentality and just the cowardice that people can display when they are afraid of being it's like you either pick up this pitchfork and use it or we're going to use it against you yeah so yeah. that's the thing that bothers me the most about this is um, there's always going to be evil people and bullies in the world. But the truth is, if your friends and and even the neutral people had a little bit of a spine, your business uh, and Nathan's would be fine. Yeah, you guys could have defeated the social justice bullies, but oh, yeah. it's the it's the cowardliness that that has allowed them to win. Yes. And like you, I think you talked about in your white fragility episode where it's sort of like a weird, like takeover of their mind. Like one of my, my, my friend here locally who owns a local yarn shop who I've been texting with about how like crazy this all was like a day later, she sent me a text and it was like, I knew that it was over. She, her mind had been like taken over. <laughs> And she was a mob yeah. person. Yeah, she was a mob person. So, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is like cult-like behavior. It is a type of brainwashing. So, for anyone new who's not familiar with um, Deprogram, the show that we're doing, I was in SJW for twenty years, and the, and this whole program that we do is an attempt to understand it better. Because coming out of it has been like a three-year process for me. Because it is like leaving a cult. In fact, we did a whole video. Carter and I, where we went through all the characteristics of a cult and I hadn't seen the list beforehand. And it just, you go down the list and you're like, wow, it actually fits a lot of these characteristics. And they, they use fear. Um, they use social pressure. They mm -hmm. use fear of ostracization. I can barely talk today, uh, but they use, um, they use your own goodness or desire to be good against you because um like your friend who called and asked you if you're a racist. Mm -hmm. okay? That friend presumably is not a racist 
and 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 views being a racist is one of the worst things you can be called because it's a horrible thing to be a racist. Yeah. They use that again. It's like I will call you this thing, and the only reason it works is because you're afraid of it. Yeah, because you're not it. Yeah, a real racist wouldn't have a problem with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, I, you know, like a real white. They were like, yeah, that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah. So. I'm sorry. I'm, go- I'm going a bit on a tangent. I just, um, I, it's hard for me when talking about this, I get my, I'm not even, I wasn't even involved in what you went through, but just watching on the outside, looking in, I get really passionate about it because it, it makes me um, right. I, I get righteously angry that bullies are, are, are going around and, and calling the people, the victims of the bullying or calling the people, the, the targets, calling them the aggressor, calling them the bully, saying there's something wrong with them. Yep. That's my rant. No, I I agree. It's so it's so petty to me to go to go after these things, to go after Karen Templer and other people. It's yeah. And especially for what they went after. And Carrie has said this before to me because I, I think I've used the word petty in the past too and said, it just seems really petty. And Carrie, you pointed out that they're proud of being petty. Petty is not a bad word for them. Yeah. They relish uh, being petty. Yes. Yeah. They, they basically don't have any universal principles. So they, it's not like they believe um, lying is wrong or being petty is wrong or, or um, being malicious is wrong or bullying is wrong. Any of these things is it, it's only wrong if someone they disagree with does it, then they'll highlight the behavior. Yes. But all of that behavior they view as being um, something they can use because they believe that their ends justify their means and they're hypocrites. Yeah. And they're the, they're the epitome of this quote. When I first started waking up from SJW ideology and leaving it, this Nietzsche quote I had heard in a, in a, at a spiritual center actually really stuck with me. And it was, the quote about be careful fighting monsters lest you become the monster you're fighting mm-hmm. they are monstrous and and they and in pursuit of these these um ephemeral mod like oh they're fight they believe they're fighting racism no they're the racists yeah <laughs> like anyway so is yeah. there um is there a community of people who have been officers like did you talk to nathan and is there because he did patterns like is there a community of people who are kind of on the outside now trying to build their own little group of officers or no um there is um i mean i had my little community of email subscribers and that was sort of a little community of itself um but since ravelry the the big knitting website who has like the monopoly in the knitting world they announced their anti-trump policy so you can't talk about Trump in a positive light on their platform anymore. So uh, a lot of people broke off Trump supporters and just people who didn't agree with the policy. Um, they broke off from Ravelry and there's a couple other little sites. There's um, Fiberosity and there's one called Our Unraveled. And there's also some Facebook groups that you can look up, but um, the, the marketplace still isn't it's nowhere near what the main knitting community is like um because there's there's all these little cliques and like popular people and everyone wants to you know 
by their their thing and be like them and they've all totally gone over to the other side so i mean the the sjw side um so they're just not that same um that same way to have a successful business anymore in these other little communities yeah i mean the the optimist in me would would hope at least that while there would be short-term suffering for taking a stand there would be long-term gain because i don't think that this look the the, the social justice ideology is inherently um anti-civilization basically it's it's a destructive hate yeah. horrible ideology and so it can't last forever um and it seems like maybe the people who establish themselves somewhere else, even if that's a taking a big hit in the short term, maybe that will end up, you know, being the better course than kowtowing or asking for forgiveness or trying to play along or being quiet. Because being quiet doesn't work either. There's the example. I think um, I know one of the people in chat is uh, the woman who wrote the articles in Quillette about you. Um, oh, great. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. Catherine Jepson Moore. But uh, where are you? Where's your name? It's Catherine Jepson Moore. Thank you, Catherine Jepson Moore. But she writes about um, she writes about someone who was basically a social justice warrior who was just quiet. She just didn't say anything. Yes. This and also got attacked. So being quiet isn't a, you know, trying to hide yourself from this isn't a strategy that will work. You may have been attacked even if you hadn't taken a stand, Maria. Oh, I would have been. <laughs> so, yeah. So, one, your point about how I think, how hopefully the optimist, optimist in you, Carter, wants to believe that in the long run it's better to take a stand. I absolutely believe that because then you're living in truth and you're actually standing for something. And of course, you're hated right now because you're principled. And it, it's like um, the Bible verse. Um, like for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but, but lose his soul, something like that. Mm -hmm. That's how I view it. It's like you, these, these people who, who have decided that for their own protection, I'm not saying I don't understand it. I absolutely understand it, but it is a coward's way out yeah. to, to sever ties with you, to make announcements about, um, you know, not going to work with certain people. They, they, that is a coward's way out. And I think that's ultimately a fruitless endeavor. You, there's a, a, a lot of things that are going that <laughs> it's hard to it, it the problems with that are compounded I'll put it that way because now yeah. you're living as a coward and a liar yeah and so it's going to affect you in other ways your psychology yeah. the way you behave your business probably at some point well um, yeah I mean there's there's no end to it like you you go in just a little bit and give them what they want a little bit and they're, they're going to constantly be coming back at you trying to make sure that, you know, you're following their rules. Like they went after this Finnish knitting magazine, Lina. This was one of the earlier people um, they went after. And they, this, this magazine, they're still constantly, you know, they got to keep them in check, make sure that they, they, they did this recent like little knitting retreat where I think they had a dozen people and it was basically first come first serve, whoever got to, you know, sign up for this first. And they showed a picture of it and people were criticizing them that it wasn't diverse enough. There weren't enough um, people of other ethnicities. And I looked at the picture, there were 12 people 
four of them were not white. So, <laughs> That's pretty I, diverse, like considering yeah. the demographics of the U.S. In, in Finland, this was a Finnish. Oh, in Finland. Oh, in Finland, even more so. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it's it's um, you're right. See, once once you apologize to the mob, you're beholden to them. That's yeah. why you don't take that knee. Yeah. And kiss the ring because you're you can't be always anymore. Yeah, you're always beholden to them. That yeah. so there's a term called. SJW convergence, which is all about how once this ideology, it's like a virus, once it spreads into a community, and for anyone who's new to this, to hearing about this, it's not just knitting. It's It happens, it happened in gaming. It's happened at big social uh, media companies. It's happened um, in young adult fiction. It happened in that community. It happens in churches. It, it can happen in any organization or company or community, but once it is, has infected and enough people are now preaching it and bullying and shaming, then it, once it's converged and it becomes the primary uh, lens through which everything is viewed and interpreted, well, now it's more important than anything else. Whatever the original goal of that organization or community or business was, that's no longer the primary goal. That's mm -hmm. the secondary goal. Yes. So it, 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 it's, it's like a, it cannibalizes communities. It does. And, you know, it's happened in science fiction, gaming, comics, um, convergences. In fact, um, I don't want to endorse Vox Day because there's things I don't agree with Vox Day about, but Vox Day and Milo Yiannopoulos, two huge wrong thinkers. Milo wrote the foreword, but if anyone's interested, this book, he's got three rules. SJWs always lie. SJWs always double down. SJWs always project. He, I think he coined the term convergence, mm -hmm. and he walks through how it happened in the science fiction community. Um, and so this is happening. I guess I kind of knew it was happening everywhere. I felt until I read that it was happening in the knitting community. <laughs> like, I thought there were some places in the world maybe that were safe, but, but there aren't. Well, somebody in chat, Elizabeth says, what about ham radio? What's next, stamp collecting? <laughs> right, well, actually, but it'll be there. Yeah. It will be there. <laughs> um, it's in math. I mean. Oh, yes. Math. Yeah. You think science fiction too, where they're supposed to be able to talk about these like otherworldly situations and basically be as creative as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, there's something you said there that I find very interesting. Maybe you could talk about that because I do believe that this ideology is the death of creativity and art. Mm -hmm. and so how do you, how does that affect, like give people an example. I know how I think it affects um, like writing, for example, because suddenly again, being a creative writer is no longer the primary goal being beholden to this ideology is. And so yeah. you're constricting yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, in knitting, like one of the, the more recent designers, they went after Caitlin Hunter. She designs a lot of, she's, she's white, but she grew up in Alaska and she's really concerned about um, native Americans and loves native American culture. And a lot of her designs are inspired by Native American motifs and she gives them Native American names. So now they've gone after her. And of course she makes these beautiful designs. I think she's probably the most talented knitting designer right now. And now she's probably gonna be afraid to release these beautiful designs that no one else is doing and celebrating this culture and yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's it, a great example. And they don't, they don't, they are so contradictory. So in the young adult fiction world, for example, 
They were piling on authors. They were getting books pulled. Some authors pulled their own books. Some yeah. authors of color pulled their own books. Yeah. And they, they said simultaneously, they would say, you don't have enough diverse characters in this story. You need to add more. And even if, even if it doesn't fit for this story or it's not what you know. Right. And then on the other hand, they say, hey, stay in your lane. You're a white yeah. person. Don't write about people of color. <laughs> it's like, wait, I can't win. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's intentional. You're not supposed to be able to win because their goal is to to just. I mean, we mentioned this. Um, maybe it was yesterday, but their goal is destruction. They're not trying to build anything in particular. They're trying to destroy. Um, yeah, and their their whole ideology, like the whole concept of um, like white fragility and white privilege. There's there's no argument out of white fragility. Like anything you do, silence, that's bad. Um, defending people of color, that's bad unless you're a person of color. Um, like there's there's no right answer and it's such a depressing way to view the world. The, well, right, the right answer that the goal for them is to shut you up, that's it. Yeah. You're just supposed to bend the knee, you're supposed to be compliant. And it's to turn you into someone that they can then oppress and control and manipulate and be in charge of. Yeah. That's the whole, all those words, white fragility, like we've, we've broken down some of these SJW, we call them the magic words, but almost all of their magic words, even if they claim to have a good intent behind them, like this is why we came up with this term to describe this phenomenon. That's not the way they use them. They use them to browbeat you into yeah. submission. Yeah. It is anti-intellectual and something that you pointed out in your, I think it was your original video, may have been your original post, Maria, was uh, they claim they want to have a conversation, but mm. they're not allowing conversation. It, it's it's anti-intellectual in the sense that it is, believe this ideology, don't question it, um, don't think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't, we will use ad hominem or any other kind of attack against you that we can. I can't yeah. think of anything more anti-intellectual than that. Yeah. You're, you're not allowed to speak. Like when I, when I originally put out that video, this was my gut feeling that I had. And I was expressing this and I knew that there were a lot of people who agreed with me, um, but you're not allowed to, it's so hard online, but um, you're not allowed to kind of work through things and actually have conversations. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the whole online world. You, you say something and everyone has their own opinion. They're coming at it from a different way. And then they come in with their comments and then that gets a bunch of comments and you just can't, you can't actually have a real conversation in a comment section like that. It's so hard. And they don't want you to anyway. No, no, yeah. So when I ask you, did you, were you familiar with social justice ideology when this happened and kind of already were waiting for it? Or was this something that you've had to learn about? It's definitely something I've had to learn about. I, I kind of knew of the whole social justice thing. My family is very conservative, but since moving out to Seattle like four or five years ago, um, I think I'm a pretty open-minded person and I befriended a lot of more liberal people. So I kind of took on some of their beliefs. Um, so I, I knew this was happening, but I was sort of apolitical. I wasn't, all, all of the people I discovered 
I had no idea about, I didn't know who Jordan Peterson was or any, I mean, I knew of him, but um, after this happened to me, I just started researching online and I found all this stuff, um, Jonathan Haidt and Peterson and Douglas Murray, all these people who have been talking about this for years and it was exciting. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, it was pretty- I will say, well, exci- you use the word exciting. That's a great, um, reason I think for people to another reason for people to be true to themselves and stand up to this stuff is that it um part of you may die in a sense like part of me died leaving it and I and I mean that me like I lost some relationships and I lost um some opportunities but this but I was but you're it's almost like you're reborn in a different way yeah. Like I've, I'm reading, like I used to read way before I got indoctrinated into it. Like yeah. it, it just makes you excited about life in a different way because you're no longer beholden to like, oh, what's the correct thing to say to not get attacked today? It's just like, mm-hmm. no, what, let me try and best like articulate what my beliefs are and, and try and help people understand me better so I can understand them better. And that's just a better, it's an exciting way of living. It's like it a is. Yeah. way of living. Yeah. It can get I'm, depressing if you get too caught up in the politics, but <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, here's something that's not depressing. I just want to say we have a very active chat today and there are a ton of fans in there and people are talking about buying your yarns. And <laughs> it's really exciting. And Aww. I just, I wonder this, this designer you mentioned, for example, who, um, uh, I forget her name, but the one Caitlin who Hunter? Yeah, makes the native American designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't some of you guys who've all been like now on the on the receiving end, if they if they pitchfork enough people, they're gonna pitchfork so many that you guys can all band together and work oh, together. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people do support her. Like she didn't get a whole lot of pushback because she is super talented and you can tell she's just a nice person, even though she was one of the people who who removed my name from one of her patterns back in January. But I still think she's a really good designer. And um, I think a lot of people have kind of banded together, but also since the whole Ravelry thing, she sells her patterns, I think exclusively on Ravelry, since a lot of people aren't on Ravelry anymore, they can't buy her patterns. So maybe she'll start offering them somewhere else, but. Do you think there's a a room in the marketplace for, or maybe there already is one that I don't know about or that somebody in the comments says, is there an alternative to Ravelry? Yeah, well, some of these sites are trying to build like a marketplace like Ravelry. It's just, they've been doing it so long and it's it takes a lot of time to build up something like that, um, that they still kind of have the monopoly. But I think I think they, lot, they lost a lot more support than they let on. And um, maybe some of these other sites will, will um, get built up and become popular. Did all right. So I was an optimist a minute ago. I'll be a, a depressing pessimist <laughs> as a as a counter. The the depressing thing that I see is that it seems to me, and I'm I'm not 100 sure about this, but I've seen this in other communities. It seems the SJWs they come in with their convergence in the community. They have a few uh, show battles where they 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 kick a few people out. They make some examples. You get a lot of people to kind of be cowards and fall in line, but they don't continue it. Because if they continued it, they don't continue it as harshly. Because right. if they continue it as harshly, eventually they will kick out a critical mass of people and they don't want that. They want to own the industry. So I think they're aware 
that they can't keep doing it. They just need to do it in like a big wave at the beginning, scare people into submission. And yeah. if not that many people who actually get kicked out, then you don't have a critical mass to really build a, an alternate community. Yes. And I, I do think that that's happening. And I think that, um, I think I mentioned this in an email to you that I, I have a feeling, I don't have really proof of this, but I have a feeling the knitting community as a whole is probably suffering like financially, all these businesses, right. um, because they're, they're so scared of maybe collaborating with someone who will be attacked in the future right. or like it's, there's a lot of fear. And I think that's probably going to hold a lot of people back. And also a lot of people are stressed and just not wanting to knit anymore. Like I, I don't knit anymore. It's, um, oh my gosh, yeah, it just that's... has a really bad association for me right now. And it's sort of triggering. I hate to use that word, but yeah, that, that is, that makes me so sad. I mean, I clearly, I don't think that's something that you, that's going to stay with you. Hopefully not. Right. Yeah. But... I, I hope. Yeah. I almost kind of, based on that, if that's what you think is happening, I almost think it would be better if we could like stoke the fires and get them to kick some more people out. Um, <laughs> we should go in as a Trojan horse carter. We yeah. The language. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone in chat wants to go join Ravelli and uh, tone police some people in there. Go. <laughs> no, that's really funny. You just egg it along. Like, a, what do you call that uh, when the government sends in saboteurs into a movement? Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I've, I've considered doing that because I think it would be fun, but yeah. <laughs> well, I do like... Ravelry, right? You're still there? I'm not on Ravelry. Oh, you're not on Ravelry. No, I left. No. <laughs> I yeah. think that um, it is kind of fun to use their belief system against them because whenever I am in an argument with SJW, you can do that in a fun way and kind of catch them because because they're again there's no logical consistencies in their beliefs and they don't have any um universal principles and so they it's easy to get them caught up in because these rules contradict each other yeah so i love if like if an S, a male sjw you know you can always say well stop mansplaining to me checkmate you know <laughs> that's like kind of like yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple people i think one of them might be in the chat i think you mentioned her name She's really good at going around sort of trolling these people. I think one of a comment she left once when they were talking about, you know, toxic masculinity or something, she said, oh, there's, there's nothing worse than a white male penis. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I was, uh, I was in SJW for Halloween a couple years ago and uh, Carter likes my costume I had Speaking of earlier in the in this discussion, we were talking about your silence won't save you. I, they simultaneously say and wear shirts that say your silence is violence. White silence is violence. Yeah. But they also say your words are violence. <laughs> yes. So I had both like on my sign. And um, some uh, feminists, I, I, I triggered some SJW and she followed me and my friend and she starts yelling at us. And at one point she yells like, there's nothing funny about feminism. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> like, there's nothing funny about what you believe at all. No. They don't have a sense of humor, these people. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. yeah. What percentage of the people in the knitting community do you think are actually, like, is it just a very ha small handful that are actually actively doing this? 
I think it is a really small handful. Um, there's a couple lead like head honchos and I think everyone knows who they are. Um, Caitlin Hunter blocked one of them and got in trouble for it. So that was kind of what, what got her in trouble. But um, yeah, there's a couple of them that literally will go around and like go through your followers and like contact every single one who's, you know, has a certain number of followers or whatever, some clout, and they'll go through and contact them and say, you know, you need to unfollow this person, this person is problematic. And like they, that's just, they spend their time doing that. And I, I think it really is a small handful of people doing that. Um, but yeah. Should be named and shamed instead of people who didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Is that, they, is that happening at all? Uh, no, most Catherine, people aren't. Catherine names some of them in her essays, I think. Right, but yeah. I mean, in the knitting community, people saying like, hey, these people are horrible bullies and you shouldn't do business. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know there's the whole argument of like, take the moral high ground and they're bullies and blah, blah, blah. But this is self-defense. They've initiated this. Right. I'm, I'm starting to change my mind about that because I haven't really wanted to name anyone, but since Nathan came out with his video and he actually named a lot of the people that betrayed him, um, it's given me a little bit more courage. <laughs> um, I also just don't wanna give these people attention. And they also are like that. Like they don't pay attention to me anymore because they don't wanna give me attention even if it's negative attention. So it's sort of this weird game. Yeah, but other like the sheep in the community, <laughs> the, the cow. Yeah they're still paying attention to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It, I, I'm not sure if it would work. I haven't seen like, I haven't seen the community. Actually the gamers have, have aggressively fought the social justice yeah. in the gaming industry. Right. Um, but the, usually people just kind of roll over and then the industry kind of fizzles out and is boring for a while and until maybe eventually this will, get resolved but yeah see they rely on um exactly the qualities that you have that they don't have they rely on your good-hearted nature they rely on your graciousness at not naming names they yeah you have prince you have principles and they know that as much as they're saying other and so they rely on that and i actually i i like that question carter because i was thinking about this earlier while we we're talking it's like they um they are always aggressive and on the offensive. And I'm not saying, I don't believe in becoming bullies or becoming, obviously I don't, it's like the road to hypocrisy to engage in behavior that you think is wrong, but I don't necessarily think naming them and exposing them is wrong. It's like these things have played out in public yeah. and exposing them for what they do and being honest about what their behavior has been. I don't think of that as uh certainly not doxing it's and it's not bullying and it's not it's like it's just being honest about what they've done yeah and who they are and that's that to me i i um anyway that's what i that's what my thought is on it um <laughs> not not to encourage harassment but just like right. let the record be clear i mean part of the reason probably that new designers and stuff are afraid to work with you is because of what they've done to your name online and dragging yeah. it in the mud yeah yeah exactly People who've never heard of you will see that you're toxic. Mm -hmm. 
And also one thing they love to do on Instagram. So all of the knitting community basically like survives off of Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, they, uh, I lost my train of thought because your dog. <laughs> you're saying they all, all the knitting community survives off of, I think you're going to say Instagram, but I'm not sure. Yes, they survive off of, oh yes. And what they sort of did like with me is they actually like hijack hashtags. So they hijacked Tuscan knits. So now if you look up Tuscan knits, um, it's all this like stuff about how I'm a Nazi and a terrible person. Um, it's, it's really awful. And then people will click on this because it comes up as like the top suggestions sure. for posts and people will click on it. So the more people click, the higher it's going to be at the top of the list. So like, I wish I could just like create some sort of campaign to like retake over these hashtags, like take over Sockmetician, take over Tuscan Knits and just post like good things um, yeah. so that it's not at the top of the list and do not click on those bad posts because the more people click, the, the higher at the list they're going to be. What if we did about, what if we did something positive where it's like, um, not even addressing them or naming them, but take some of these hashtags and like you said, reclaim them with something yeah. really like, like do like, what are you grateful for today? Hashtag yeah. documentation, right? Yeah. Just do like gratitude lists, like do something that's really positive and also healthy and good for people. It's good to sit and think about the things you're grateful for. It's yeah. good for emotionally. It makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. And what if there was something that is just, I, I think that whole thing about like the only thing that will drive out the darkness is like darkness will not drive out the darkness. Is that an MLK quote? Like only light will drive out the darkness. Yeah, that is enough. Yeah. So something like that, that's just like super positive and has nothing really to do with the controversy at all, but it's just yeah. taking those hashtags back. It's hard to call people for people to believe that someone's a Nazi when, when they, when they're, it's easy for them to find evidence. It's like clearly not like Carter and I've been called Nazis, but I, I challenge anyone to watch a show and still come away with that opinion. I'm like, come on. Like, like we've yeah, actually watched the show. That opinion yeah. is wrong. <laughs> maybe you know, people people have opinions, but I I don't I don't know. I'm maybe I'm a little bit more aggressive. I guess I I view this as, um, first of all, this is straight out of Saul. I mentioned this in the chat. This is out of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Um, they intentionally hold you to your standards, but they have no standards of their own. This is this is a tactic. It's it's known. It's intentional. So they they hold you to the standards that you hold yourself to, um, but they but they don't have any standards and they don't hold themselves to any standards. So it prevents them from being counterattacked. Um, and I I have a problem with this idea of like because I've I've seen frankly I've seen people on the right do this for decades and it just doesn't work. They're like, well, we're going to take the moral high ground and we're not going to fight back. If you if you only have one side that's aggressive and the other side is just going to be on the moral high ground and not fight back, guess who wins? Yeah. You, you the, the Attila the Hun wins that fight. That's what happens. Because most normies are like they're just they're not paying attention and mm -hmm. bad guys just gaining ground every time. It's just gaining ground, gaining ground, gaining ground. Um I don't think there's anything immoral at all about saying these people are bullies this is the bullying behavior they've done these people are bullies i won't work with them yeah that's you know <laughs> i that's think you could do both i mean in a attitude in the knitting community but that would be my <laughs> my response 
I think you can do both. I think there's room for people who are more aggressive in any of these SJW wars on any community. I think there's room for the people who are more like the warriors who are like more aggressively defensive and, and on, you know, here's, here's who's done this and here's their behavior. And I think there's room for the people who are there also like spreading positivity and Mm -hmm. making it about, about taking something negative and like judo, right. Turning into something positive. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that, Carrie. There's room for both. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I I like to be both by the way. (laughs) Um, You guys keep talking. I just have to run to the restroom. Sorry, TMI. I'll be back. I was going to ask, Maria, I was going to ask you, um, what is your, what's your status now with your business and what are your plans for the future? Because my understanding is this has actually had a a pretty negative impact on your business. Yeah, it really has. Um, And I don't know if it's like happening to other people. It might just be something that's happening in in the knitting community as a whole. Um, But I have some other business things I'm working on with other businesses um, and that I'm trying to build up, but I'm going to keep going with this and just try to ride through it and get to the other side, because maybe if I stick around long enough, this will all sort of turn around. And I I do think it is going to turn around. I really do. Um, It just might take years so I'm, I'm going to try to stick around, but yeah, it's business has really, really slowed down and I haven't talked about that anywhere, even to my newsletter subscribers or anything, because I don't want people to be supporting me just out of pity. I want them to just support me because they like what I do. So I, I hate talking about that and I haven't, but yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. Um, and sad, but I, I do think there's a cultural, we can kind of been sensing this cultural shift. More and more people are noticing the craziness of this, um, especially mm-hmm. as, with respect to like comedy, you see the cancer yeah. happening and people yeah. are starting to wake up to, you know, the, the insanity here. I think but, so too, yeah. You know, you're right, it could take, could take years. It could, but things move so fast now with the internet that maybe it'll happen sooner. It's just like things are speeding up so much and yeah. <laughs> have you lost, um, have you lost like real friends who like you would hang out with? I know there was the one that you went to Edinburgh with uh, mm-hmm. or others that you've kind of lost over this. Oh yeah. Um, the, the woman who runs the local yarn shop here, um, a little nitty in Auburn, she, I will say she is like one of the sweetest people I've ever known. She's like funny. I used to just go to her shop just to hang out and talk to her. And we would talk about silly things and reality TV shows. And she's just great. Um, But she was like the person that I was like texting when this all first started happening before I said anything. And she, I could kind of tell was getting like taken over. Um, and we actually, the, the weekend after I said I was leaving Instagram, we, her and I were going to go down to Portland to a knitting event together. It was like a big um, marketplace for vendors. And she texted me and said, I'm, she said, I'm scared for you, but I will admit I'm scared for myself being seen with you at this event. Um, and that was really 
hurtful that she, yeah, she didn't even want to be seen with me at this knitting event. And I haven't spoken with her since then. That was back in January. Like secret friends, but not, but not in public. Ugh. What was that? It's not even like she's a secret friend no. in public. She's just. Yeah. And yeah, just, you know, Maria, I am a remedial knitter. Okay. I took a break. All I've ever made are scarves and I made a couple of really bad hats. <laughs> this makes me want to become like, just dedicate 10,000 hours to it. So I can be a really good knitter and roll deep with you at these conventions. <laughs> like dedicate myself to something entirely different just so I could be in that sphere with you. It makes me That'd be I, fun. I, I would love to like, I don't know, get some people. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to go by myself to a knitting festival, but it would be fun to get some people together and go and just see the reaction. Yeah, you just a gang of wrong thinkers. Yeah. And <laughs> all wear shirts that are the same. Yes. Someone said it would be like Moses parting the sea. <laughs> we would have the whole place to ourselves. <laughs> You'd have to have a sense of humor about it. Like maybe yeah. we could make, we, you could knit like pink ladies jackets, like from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. would, uh, I think that would work. That would work. Look, there's a ton of people in chat saying they'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to have a groundswell of anti-social justice or pro-Western civilization knitting projects. Yes, we do. We need like our own pussy hat, maybe. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. What would that? I don't know what that would look like. Well, I do, but I don't want to say. Wait, I don't get it. <laughs> it would probably be offensive. Um, a male genitalia. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. They would really have a problem with that. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely. Or you could just do stuff that has all of the fake white supremacy symbols on it, like the OK sign and a glass of milk <laughs> and uh, all the the fake the fake ones yeah they've been trolled so the thing about sjw's again you guys just maintain your sense of humor because it's the best i think it's one of the best weapons and they don't have it they can't use that um they use pettiness and they use vindictiveness and sarcasm and all that stuff instead sarcasm is not the same thing and um and they've been there are some trolls who really like the whole okay symbol being what now they're doing this have you seen this no the, tro the trolls Put out a meme saying that this this means two genders and you're making a G here and there's two and that <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna make the peace sign verboten oh like they're gonna make that eventually like oh you can't do the every peace every Asian is now a white supremacist <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly uh. um, okay well I think we should. Um, go ahead and start wrapping up. But I also, I do like this idea of joining you. You have a lot of fans here. If you decide you want to go to a convention, we should keep this conversation going. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. If anyone is here in the Seattle area and would maybe like to go to Yarn Revolution, which I was kicked out of, I'm not allowed to attend this year. Wow. I'm not allowed to attend as a vendor. Last year I went as a vendor. Wow. I think that's coming up next month. Maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I'm brave enough to go. Honestly, the, are you the, allowed in as an attendee? I 
I would think I would be. I don't know how they could kick me out technically, as long as I didn't accost anyone, which I wouldn't. Um, I mean, if we have a whole posse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think we should have a posse with cameras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> an editing event with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Someone's asking. Yes, milk. Uh, I don't know if it was because it's white. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, milk was the latest. Not the latest. Yeah. It one was the, one of the 4chan trolls was that milk was okay. uh, white supremacy. So, and they put these trolls out there, and then the media eagerly responded, Oh my gosh, milk is now white supremacist. <laughs> it's just like, What? It's so dumb. You off track, but did you see? Uh, it was in the news I saw yesterday. Uh, Universal Orlando fired one of the actors, an actor who was in a um, you know, grew from minion movies or whatever. The mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, how the, the kids have their pictures taken with the characters. He had his hand on the kids' shoulders, and one of them looked kind of like an upside down okay sign thing, like an upside down whatever. <laughs> got fired for it. He got fired for it. See, so. you have to keep laughing at it, but it is really that's real injustice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's really sucky. Yeah. I mean, everything that's happened to Maria is real injustice and sucky, but. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody has a question for you in the chat before we go. Emily says, Maria, what do you think about people making money off of this through Ko-Fi, et cetera? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of these, these lead SJW set up uh, coffee or Ko-Fi accounts where you can go donate to them and pay them for their emotional labor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there, if people are willing to give them money for this, I, I guess they go for it, you know? Um, Nathan Sockmetician, he set up one recently and he's gotten a lot of support through it. So I thought that was kind of cool that he was using that. Yeah, but he's not... He's not like using him. He's not a bully. No. Emotional labor. I mean, no, he's not. He's not asking them yet to pay pay him for his emotional labor. Well, <laughs> so, maybe we should set up a. We can explain why social justice is a huge scam and the enemy of Western civilization. But there will be emotional labor involved in that. So <laughs> uh, you got to pay. Maybe yes. set up a set up a site for that. Wait. Remember that joke about well, they want to send us to emotional labor camps? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Lindsay Peterson points out it's like indulgences. It is. It's yeah. like uh, you're you're paying for absolution. They're they're absolving you of your sins of white supremacy and white fragility, white privilege, whatever. It's it's a it's a very much a religious thing, which I know Catherine early in the chat was mentioning. It is. There are so many similarities between this cult of belief and, re yes. and religion. I would call it more cult-like though, in that, you know, it checks mm -hmm. off a lot of things that some major religions do not check off. Yeah. Like, and I, I also I also think that there are probably things behind the scenes that we don't know about. And some of these people are making money off of I don't know. They could be blackmailing people. I, I just have a, I know it's probably sounds like a conspiracy theory, but I do think there's maybe more going on behind the scenes than we think. And maybe some of these people are forcing the designers or whatever to hire them as editors or like some sort of um, oh, totally 
There are a lot of con artists who make money off of this ideology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and by the way, not to piss people off, a lot of them are paid by your tax dollars because um, they're they're coming out of universities or think tanks that are that are being paid yeah. um, with your tax dollars, or they're just uh, dead weight at large organizations who feel like they need to have you know social justice people employed for whatever reason. Um, yeah. And you're paying for it one way or another. But uh, I mean, Carrie, you used to be in an, an entire community of professional SJWs who they were in their jobs. Their jobs were secondary, uh, yeah. just like a virus. Like we've called this a mind virus several times. Just like a virus, the number one goal is to is to propagate. Number two goal is whatever else is going on. So right, all over. I had um I had a friend who I I mentioned this on. Twitter the other day in response to some James Lindsay tweet. And I had some SJWs, I, I get, I couldn't figure out what they're trying to say. Cause again, they don't speak honestly and, and, and they don't articulate themselves clearly. They will use sarcasm or cause they can't just speak truth. It's so weird. You'll watch how many times they will say something they don't believe they'll engage in sarcasm because they can't just speak what they do believe. It's so weird. But anyway, they were, I think they were trying to say that I was making it up, but it's like, no, I had a friend who she has no background in medicine. She um, comes from the activist community. She's a professional SJW friend. Um, and she moved on from these different activist groups. And now she works at Harvard Medical School. And her entire job is to indoctrinate medical students at Harvard with SJW ideology and she's doing it from a her position includes the moniker LGBT director blah 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 mm -hmm. but um that is a true thing there are people that are not uh actual academics in whatever field they're in but who are activists and who are being paid lots of money to brainwash people yeah. <laughs> social justice warriors in medicine I, there's a word for that it's called Munchausen's I identify <laughs> as having blah 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 like, all right yes. <laughs> there's a term um well so uh, where are, can people how can people support you what's yes. the number one or number one and two things people can do um you can follow me on instagram as tuscan knits and um, you can buy my yarn at tuscanknits.com i also have a blog there it's under the news section on my website um and leave comments there um you can email me at maria at tuscanknits.com. So yeah, I am so happy that sounds like I can't see, but it sounds like a lot of people showed up. So I'm excited. A lot of people showed up in chat and I yeah. don't see any social justice haters. Yay. <laughs> or, well, that was poorly worded. I see many people who probably hate social justice. Yeah. Don't see well, justice warriors they might show up later because like Carrie said, they they probably don't have any good arguments to say in live chat that people won't be able to refute but they'll think of something maybe later to put in the comments so. yeah, yeah. They're, they're not really big on arguments they're more just big on spitting syllables out at you that are yeah. you know hoping for the hoping for one to land um maria i i totally i'm i'm into this idea of <laughs> of going to a, a a knitting festival with you so um <laughs> We should we should talk more about that. I think it'll be fun, and I think there's a lot of people in chat who would support that. So, yeah, um, let's keep talking about it. And and yeah. I just want to say thank you for coming on our show. I have an immense amount of respect for you, and I um you I think you're very inspiring. And so, 
if I had to, if I had to throw out some adjectives, I would say integrity, courageous, um, gracious, like just humble. Anyway, that's, that's a lot of effusive, but thank you. I really, I really, and everyone in chat is like, love you, Maria. (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) I'll uh, just double down on what Carrie said. So it's been a pleasure and really uh, admire you taking a stand and thank you for coming on the show. And we really wish your business and you the best, even though might be some rocky uh, stuff right now. Let's hope that uh, let's hope that things turn around and let's actually be active about helping you out because um, really want to support what you're doing. So thanks again. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Bye, Bye everyone. Guys. Bye.